Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 62, where in a moment, we discuss the concept of investing in times of uncertainty. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. You can access it all simply by delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes today, we've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, including how to trace those you thought were maybe lost to you, credit unions, self-build homes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at banking in these changing times. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, We'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and with me, as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, this could be a good one. It's way over my head, I suspect, but we'll give it a go all the same. It's investing in times of uncertainty. Now, I'd have thought, Phil, being a financially astute kind of guy, such as yourself, in times of uncertainty, the thinking would be to sort of shut up shop and wait until things are more reliable again. But that's not always the case, is it? And quite often you'll hear how someone's made a killing by investing the right thing when markets were volatile and it just paying off. To me, it always sounds a bit like gambling, like you put your money on red and thankfully it came up. But there must be some way to navigate these waters because these guys frequently do. So I hope you're going to tell us a secret today. It might be worth explaining first. When you talk about investing in times of uncertainty, what defines or creates a time of uncertainty? I would guess COVID's probably been one, but like I say, I'm only guessing here. Yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, over the years, that there's been lots of different events that's caused like markets to be volatile. I mean, in, in recent years, there's no doubt. I mean, pretty last year and, and so far this year, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's, it's resulted in quite a lot of market volatility, especially last year. Like at one point, I mean, when, when COVID first came on the go, around about, the, the beginning of last year, things were, were really quite volatile. And that continued into 2021 as well. But economic and, and geopolitical events that always prompts investors to question whether now is a good time to invest or indeed to, to remain invested. So, I mean, over, over the years we've had, I mean, over the last 30 years or so, in the time that I've been, inv- uh, that I've been involved in financial services, we've had... Um, well, maybe before my time, there, there was 1987, you had Black Monday. Into the early 90s, the, there was the Gulf War. We've had the, the dot-com bubble. There was a global financial crisis, and that was around about 2007, 2008. And then more recently, we've, we've had Brexit, and then the, the COVID kind of situation as well. So investors have had quite a lot of different things to, to contend with over the years. Yeah, so is it is it simply a case of an event being big enough to mean that we just don't know what the outcome will mean for the world at large, so everything becomes sort of financially unpredictable? So, for example, you know, who knows what will happen to Uber around the world when nobody's allowed outside? Yeah, I mean, when people start to, to panic, they, they often sell stocks and shares, the markets will, will go down, and, and different events can have a much different impact on, on different businesses. I mean, take, take COVID, for example. I mean, some businesses have done really well over the last year and a half. I mean, companies like some, some of your online retailers, I mean, Amazon. I, I think um, Jeff Bezos, the, the owner of that, his 
wealth has gone up tremendously. Kind of in the last year, year and a half, people are buying a lot of goods online these or buying more stuff online than they probably ever have. Um, companies like Dettol, they, they've done really well. Everybody's sort of hand sanitizing and, and things like that. Um, Zoom, I mean, we, we're doing this recording yeah. right now on Zoom and um, companies like that have, have done really well. People have tended to put a lot more online, but I guess then on the flip side, there's been other companies more recently that, that haven't fared so well. So pubs, restaurants, hospitality businesses, They've all taken a massive hit in, in the last year or so. Airlines, but like I mean, a year ago, people couldn't travel. So um, airlines took a big hit and uh, some of them were almost getting bailed out. Um, even the, the high street, I mean, it, it's been sort of decimated. I mean, in the last year, we've saw the demise of Philip Green's Arcadia Group. Edinburgh Woolen Mill has, has disappeared. I mean, big shops like Debenhams are, are gone as well. So th- there's been massive impacts of, of things like what, what's going on recently. Now I was going to say, it, it sort of broadly split, splits into two camps, doesn't it? Where businesses that, that don't depend on your physical presence are doing well and businesses that depend on you turning up at the front door aren't. Yeah. But one, one thing that I'm a great believer in is, is diversifying. I mean, if, if you invest in just one single company, so let, let's say you had Debenham's shares, for example, if they go to the wall, that's all gone. Whereas I, I prefer to invest in almost like a basket of companies. And, and not only that, not, not only when it comes to say stock market investments, but I, I also like diversifying across different asset classes. So rather than saying, right, I'm just going to invest in the stock market. I'm a great believer that maybe have a bit in property, a bit in cash, a bit in bonds, equities. I, I'm a great believer in that. I mean, one, one example that I can give, I mean, I remember during the, the kind of banking crisis that there was somebody I knew that worked for Northern Rock. Now, she had all her life savings. She had like share-save share schemes. She, she had like invested heavily in her, her work. I mean, she worked there, thought this, a good business, great. Now, when they went bust, not only did she lose her job, but she lost all of that as well. So... Like for that person, that just by having everything all in one place turned out to be absolutely catastrophic. So I, I'm always a great believer in, in diversifying and spreading money that you, you've got as well. That, that's something that I'm a, a great believer in. Yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket and all that. Yeah. Uh, even after all these things that we're talking about, Phil, all these, you know, um, crashes or uh, huge world events, even after all of these things have happened, uh, and despite the market maybe yo-yoing a bit all over the place at the time for a short period, overall, things must be okay in the longer term because it's it's all still here, isn't it? That's exactly it. I mean, it, it, you'll find that things will go up and down. And I mean, to, to give you an example, the, the FTSE 100 index, that, that, I often refer to that because it's it's the most well-known. That's like the value of the, the shares of the top 100 companies in the, the UK. I mean, it, over the longer term, it's done done very well and, and even last year I mean if, if I look last year on the 20th of March so that was kind of when when Covid was really starting to hit and, and things and, and at that point the FTSE 100 it was at 4,859 points so that was like the what they call the, the value of the index now less than three months later on the 12th of June it was 5,740 so it had actually gone up 18 per, uh, over 18% within 
like two and a half to, to three months. So at that point, things were really quite volatile. Now, the, the danger there is that when things start to go down, people often panic and think, oh, I've got to sell, sell, sell. But it is, it's like investing is, is usually a, a real medium to, to long-term thing. And I think people get panicked. You, you see, when, when things go down, it's like headlines in the news, is it? And and you always see this, oh, the FTSE has tumbled and this has happened and that's happened. And But when things go up, you never hear of it the same. Occasionally, you might get a wee snippet on the news saying, oh, the FTSE's reached an all-time high or, or something. But I, I guess it makes better news stories, does it, when things are, I, I don't know, bad news always tends to sell better than oh, yeah. news. Yeah, bad news travels about five times faster than good stuff. That's that's for certain. And whenever whenever the the FTSE crashes, you always see that graphic on the screen, and it'll show that like a graph, and then all of a sudden there's a plunging line, and yeah. it goes red, and that's the one that was put in the background. And within these um these volatile, uncertain periods, is is this where market experts make their mark by by buying something that sort of falls off a cliff, only to see the stock rise again as things get closer to normal? You know, what I would say there is fund managers, they're, they're looking to buy shares in companies that they feel will do well over the longer term. So they're, they're not really speculating. So so they're not in it to try and make a quick buck. So I, I would say probably no to, is the, the answer to that. I mean, what, what they're doing, but if, if we take Warren Buffett, for example, he, he used to be the richest man in the world. He's not anymore, but he he's regarded as one of the great, stock pickers of, of our kind of time. Now, when he's looking to invest, he's looking for companies where he thinks there's good value. And he's also looking for long-term gain as opposed to, to sort of short-term. So you, those that are trying to time the markets and think, right, things are up and things are down, that's a lot riskier kind of doing that. Whereas like if, if you're looking at investing for the, the medium, the longer term, the advice is usually sit tight. You're in it for for a long period. So, and, and and you know, market volatility in some cases it can be a really good thing. So, for example, if you're investing regularly, markets going up and down it is actually a good thing. But what you've got there is something called pound cost averaging. You're buying in at different times. So one month, let's say you're saving some such an amount each month. Some months you're buying in when it's lower, some months it's higher. That takes a bit of risk out of things as well. And I have had occasions in the past where people have invested money and they, they've maybe had a lump sum to invest. And, and I used to say to them, look, rather than putting it all in in one go, let's spread this over several months or put it in over a period of time. Um, and again, that, that's what's called pound cost averaging. So that can sometimes reduce the, the risks for, for some people, but market volatility for, for long-term investors shouldn't concern them at all. So when you get into these things, Phil, just to recap my understanding of it here, you shouldn't be thinking, I could get in here, make a killing and get out. Or, you know, you should be actually considering investing over a longer period, even though these unpredictable moments will occur and so yeah, riding, riding them out for, for better days on the other side over a longer yeah. term. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. it. You, you will get some people that are speculative and they'll try to say, right, Oh, oh, it's down. I mean, it's a, it's a better time to invest in something when, for example, the stock market, if you're investing in that or, or that type of funds, it's much better to go in when things are down. But the, the problem is nobody knows when that when things have hit the bottom or when they've hit the top. It, it, that, that's the thing that nobody nobody knows. So for, for me, 
as somebody, a, a guy who used to give financial advice, I used to always say to folks, like, look, there's an old saying, it's called time in the markets as opposed to timing the markets. So that, that's quite a, like a popular saying. I've heard a lot of advisors mention that over the years. So one of the things that you always hear is people say, well, you know, got out too soon, didn't get out quickly enough. Are you telling me then that there's no way of, of being able to predict when the best time to ta- take action with your investments actually is? Yeah, that's it. No, nobody knows. I mean, like I say, yeah, if you can go into something when it's down, it, it's a better time than, than when something is, is higher. But that, that's the thing that nobody can, can really tell that sort of thing. And I mean, certainly with, with equity investments, I, for me, it's more to say, right, this is a long-term strategy rather than try to go into something just to, to make a quick buck. Mm. Uh, you spoke about diverse, diversification earlier, and I'm just guessing again here because it's something I've got very little track record of, but let's just say for sake of argument, you've got a pot of cash to invest. And I know I'm using a gambling analogy quite a lot here, but if you're at a roulette wheel, does it make more sense to, to spread these chips across the table or, or stick everything on black seven? And by the way, I also know nothing about roulette. So if, if black seven isn't a thing, my apologies, but hopefully you get the point of, of the question. You said diversification. You should spread your cash around the investment world. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I heard you're speaking about like um, roulette tables. I, I heard a really good story recently. I'm, I'm a big American football fan, as you know, and one of the guys that used to pay, play for my team is a chap called Peyton Manning. Now, he, he's one of the most well-known American football players, but I, I remember hearing a story just a week or two ago, and he'd been in, walking through a casino to get to his hotel, and the number he used to wear on his jersey was 18. So he's shouting to everybody in the roulette, roulette tables, red 18, red 18. And, and one of the guys at the table, he said, he goes, folk had already had their chips on the, the table. And um, as soon as he said that, everybody in the whole place, woof, on to red 18. And seemingly it came in. And I'm like, man. So but tell you, that, that story is maybe not a good example when you're trying to see the, the risk. But I think um, if it proves one thing, it probably proves that that roulette wheel is fixed. Yeah, oh, it is nuts. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, seemingly that story is true. I've heard, well, I heard it just recently and I've actually heard it come up a couple of times since. But um, uh, when I'm trying to say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, that probably isn't a very good example to, to give people. But uh, another roulette story that I've got, uh, a chap that I know, quite well. I remember I was in the casino with him and he'd had quite a lot to drink and he, he, there was a chap that likes a, a gamble and he put out a heap of chips on the table. I, I didn't actually realise how many he'd put on, but he one of his numbers came in and he's like, yes, delighted he'd, he'd won. And one of the guys that was with us, he's like, look, do you realise you just put on, you've, you've won 100 quid, but you put on, it was like 92 or 94 pounds in chips that he'd actually put on to win that. And he, he'd just been so engrossed in it, yeah. he didn't even realise. But what I would say with, with any investing as well is it's like, can you afford to lose the money? And a prime example of that is that folk are speculating with money that, I mean, the, a good example, so let's say you've got money that you set aside for a deposit on a house. You're not going to want to, put that in any risky investments because if that goes down, you might think, all right, I'll try and time it. If that goes down again, that could impact you on, on buying your house. So there's a lot of things to, to take into account there. Yeah, one of the things you always talk about when you refer to investing is you have to know how risk averse you are. 
you see, you've sort of explained there, but why is your attitude to risk so important in this instance? If someone is enough to invest, surely they're prepared to lose it, and it's like extra money as such anyway. Yeah, well, that, I would say with, with investing, it's really important. A financial advisor will sit down with somebody and they'll, they'll cover what's called their, their attitude to risk, but they'll also look at their, their capacity for, for loss. Now, I, I always view investing as a, a, like for me, investing is a long-term thing. Always say to folk, look, make sure you've got an emergency fund so you, you've got money kind of there. And I guess it's human nature. Like emotions can can kick in and people will panic when things go down. So it's important when somebody's investing money, it's important that they're in something that they're, they're comfortable with. So that's why advisors will often talk about attitude to risk, capacity for loss. It's easy. I mean, when, when things go down, it's human nature that folk will think, all oh, right, let's get out now. And really, that's the time that they should be holding on to things. And likewise, when, when things go up, people often think at that point, all oh, right, this is doing well. I want a piece of the action on, on that. So they'll buy into things as it's going up. And, and again, yeah, nobody knows how to time anything but it's a better time to go into something when it's low than when it's higher. But again, people are at that point not so confident. You're almost having to go against human nature at, at times there. But I, I've seen it lately, and I, I speak a lot about sort of stock market investments, but recently I've seen it a lot with things like Bitcoin. Um, it had gone up a lot, all these cryptocurrencies. Folk try to jump on the bandwagon there. Um, there. There was one just recently, I can't remember what it was called now, but it it, the value it dropped to zero. Whatever coin that was, it was, oh, what's that TV program that everybody raves about? It was something to do linked to it with that. Can't remember the, the name of it. I didn't watch much telly, but um, <laughs> it, it, one of these coins it actually dropped, the, the value just pumped banned, dropped like a stone down to, to zero. And I, I see it with, with property too. I mean, property markets over the long term have, have tended to do well. And folk, oh, I want a piece of that action. But quite often, folk go into things when it's, too late they, they speculate but like i say investing should be for for the longer term and that example i gave about if, if somebody had money saved up for a deposit of the house you wouldn't be going to no. I, I wouldn't certainly be saying look put it into this or put it into that that's money that should be in more safer type things um so as a, a financial advisor would look and say right what's your plans what what are you looking to use that money for and that, that's what they would kind of sit down and, and review with, with people yeah. So anyone that I know who's an investor, and I'm thinking my brother-in-law specifically here, I hope he doesn't mind me using him. They're looking at the markets every day. They're, they're trying to spot patterns and opportunities. Not everyone's like that. As you say, yeah. some probably just turn to likes of yourself and say, I've got X to invest. Can you do it for me? Taking aside the, the, the part of looking at the element of risk and how much they can afford to lose, what happens at that point? Where, where do you look at putting the money? Yes, I, I've seen some clients over the years, they log in every day to see how their money is doing. And some days they're, oh, great, doing this. But you tend to find investing, often things will go up more, less steadily, but when things go down, it can sometimes go down quick, but often it doesn't go up as quickly as what it, it came down. But like financial advisors, what they'll do is they'll look at a person's overall position. They'll look and say, right, what's your future plans? What you're trying to achieve? What, income and outgoings do you have now? What's that likely to be in the future? 
as I mentioned, they'll, they'll kind of speak about like risk versus reward. And I, I remember a guy that I used to work with, he used to do these, was it like the Forex things? He had a thing on his computer and he'd be logging in and it was almost a bit like spread betting. And, and you would always hear when things were going well, but you would never hear when things mm-hmm. weren't going so well. But stuff like that is really quite speculative. Whereas financial advisors and financial planners, when they speak about investing, they're looking usually more for the, the longer term. Some some investing is more for, I mean, if somebody came to me and said, right, I've no emergency fund, I'd be like, right, look, let's look at saving something to, to build that pot up first. And then if you've spare money, we can look at investing it kind of thereafter. So likewise, when, when somebody's young, they can maybe afford to take more risks with, with our money. Whereas when somebody, I mean, if, if somebody's in their 60s and about to retire, they, not in all cases, but in some cases, they might look at maybe more cautious investments. And they, they're also more likely, a, a financial planner is more likely to recommend to them investments, maybe that produce an income rather than ones that are there to, to grow. And, and that's the, the good thing for clients is that the advisor can take away all the pain for them by recommending all of that saves them doing a, a lot of that research and, and looking into things themselves. When you are acting on behalf of an investor, Phil, or advising them, um, and, and you, you're sort of suggesting things that over the long term, how often do you review that for them? Is it annually? Is it more often? Yeah, do you know, I'm, I'm a great advocate of people taking like ongoing financial advice. One recent study highlighted that receiving professional financial advice over a five-year period. So if you take financial advice, say, every year for for five years, it resulted in a total boost to wealth. So this is like pension and your financial assets. According to that study, over a decade, you were better off to the tuna over £47,000. So that that was just one study that was, was carried out previously. But Evidence suggests that if you foster an ongoing relationship with a financial advisor, it leads to better financial outcomes. Those who reported receiving advice at both the time of when they like did something and had ongoing advice thereafter, um, they had nearly a 50% higher average pension wealth than those who'd only received advice once at the, the very beginning. So I, I'm a great advocate in, in taking ongoing financial advice and sadly a, a lot of people that they'll look at taking out complex investment insurance or pension products and, and they don't know an awful lot about it so speaking to a financial advisor is, is very very important I feel and annually is usually enough is it yeah I mean I, I know it, it, the, the financial services company that I own the financial advice firm there the guys are generally tend to speak to clients annually I mean they, there's a lot of correspondence that gets sent out newsletters that go out they, they'll try and keep in touch with clients if there's any things that they think is maybe needs to, to get dealt with but what they'll do is they'll sit down and review the person's circumstances kind of annually it's like right what are you still trying to achieve are your goals still the same mm. is your attitude to risk still what it was before or has that changed so I, I I always I don't know just my feeling is that the majority of people should be looking to to kind of actively have a, a review with our financial advisor at least once a year because that's it i mean the state the statements come in once a year right if you're self-employed you pay well you pay tax twice a year but but you you get the idea most things if you have, it's a pension uh if it's a mortgage there'll always be an annual update to say this is where you are this is this is what you still have to pay um and and likewise i suppose 
annually is enough to, to check up on whether someone still has the same income. Maybe they've changed jobs. Maybe they've got less. Maybe they've got more. But annual probably uh, just about covers that off. Yeah. I've got three things that have cropped up in my mind as we've, we've yeah. gone through this. The first has got nothing to do with investing in the time of some uncertainty. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Peyton Manning walking back into that casino. Yeah. Uh, and, they're, you know, shouting, red 18, red 18, and everyone going red 18, and it coming up, right? If you've got the, the worst performing casino in town uh, and you know Peyton Manning, you're going to say, Peyton, what I want you to do is walk in at nine o'clock on Saturday night when we're busiest and shout red, red 18. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll pay it, we'll pay out in red 18. Uh, and and that will go viral and then everyone's going to come into our casino. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they are investing in times of uncertainty. Possibly. Who knows? I know. Just I just a suggestion. I, I didn't watch what I say here, but I, I've had folks say to me that they think some of the casinos and the roulette tables are fixed. I, I remember one guy I spoke to, he, he honestly, he was like, oh, there's magnets underneath for the ball to go in. I'm like, no, no, no. So I, I, I did think that would be true, but... Um, um, well, it's, it's, you know, for, for a, a very financially astute man, Phil, I think you're being naive in that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. Okay, uh, item number two. Um, this has to do with investing in times of uncertainty, or it's more likely to be. Um, you talked about uh, the, the likes of Bitcoin and, and that sort of thing and, and them falling away to, to zero overnight almost uh, in certain cases. I've heard, and I, I, it's just something that's at the back of my mind, I've heard of groups that will go and try and influence the value of something like that. Have you heard of that sort of thing happening? Ah, uh, you get, I mean, like at the minute, I mean, especially when it comes to like these cryptocurrencies, like Elon Musk or somebody puts out a tweet and then certain things, pyong, up they go. Yeah. And again, down they go. And I, I get all of that speculative. That, that's the thing. Whereas like, for me, investing is a long-term thing. It's not trying to make a quick buck. And sadly, just the, the society we live in, everybody's looking for instant gratification with everything, are they? The people don't have the same patience that they should because very few people get rich overnight. Um, I mean, for, for most people, they're building up their wealth over the, the years. So that, that's one thing, just the way society's kind of going as a whole, is it? Oh, absolutely. Everything is is sacrificed on the altar of now. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it now. Yeah. Uh, and third thing, here I go with my stupid question. Of the oh, week. no, that's so okay. If, if, <laughs> that's okay, John. I'm used to them. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's listening to this and thinking, I've always wondered about investing, but I don't think I've ever had the money to do it. How much do you need to get started? I'd always say the first thing is to make sure you've built up that emergency fund that, that I've mentioned. And again, that amount can vary from, from person to person, depending on their, their bills. Some financial advisors only want to speak to people with a certain level of wealth. So you will get some that will be like, oh, we've got a minimum wealth value of X or Y or, or whatever it is. But realistically, I mean, somebody can start investing £10 a month um, in a regular savings plan, or you could start off with maybe 500 quid into something. There's there's things for everybody. That, that's a thing. And no matter how little somebody is putting away, it's good to get into the habits of it. That, that's the thing. It's getting into good good habits. And anything that you put away for the future is, is good, in my opinion. Okay. Investing in times of uncertainty, today's show. Uh, anything else that we missed out there that you'd include in sort of key takeaways from this one, Phil? Uh, again, I'd, I'd probably just say that if you're investing in anything, you should be doing it for the, the medium to long term, not trying to make a, a quick buck or, or being speculative. And like I say, everybody wants to get rich quick, don't they? That's, that's a thing. But building up wealth 
takes time. Okay. Now, each week, um, so far as we've covered various topics, you've given us a look back over your own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So today, Phil, investing in times of uncertainty, what have you got? I know, like me personally, I, I remember with, with my pension, at one point in time, I moved it into a commercial property fund, did quite well in the time it was there. And actually in, in that, because I, I, there was a period where I thought, ah, there's going to be a, markets are going to go down. So I thought, right, go into the, the property fund, which usually tended to be a little bit more stable and steady. So my idea was good. And then markets went down. I was like, right, this was me trying to time the market. I remember there, there was one day I came into the office and I was like, right, I'm waiting to go and move my pension just now. And I was thinking, right, what fund will I pick to, to put in? So I was looking at all the different things. And I can't remember. I thought, I'll do it tomorrow. So I came into the, the, the office early the following morning, clicked on it. I said, like, hmm, that's strange. It's not letting me do it. And that property fund that I was in got suspended that day because <laughs> there'd been a bit of a run on commercial property funds. And I'm thinking, oh, no, left it a day too late. And, and honestly, if yeah, if I timed it the day before, I might have made a few quid more. But, you know, if, when I come to long-term investing, I'd have been just as well leaving it where it had been in the first place. So I've made the mistakes myself, and I, and I guess that's why I try to share my experiences so people don't make that same mistakes themselves. I will get the odd person that will turn around, oh, I did this and I made that, but hey, that's it, it, like... I'm looking at trying to give sensible advice here. That's that's a thing. Uh, we always do this bit as well, Phil. You find inspiration through various folk you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits this subject matter on investing in times of uncertainty? Yeah, I got a really good one this week. I think you'll, you'll like this one. It's for the, the man himself, Warren Buffett. So this one, no matter how great the talents or efforts, some things just take time. You cannot produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. <laughs> Some of us see, have given a good shot. <laughs> I know. I, I see that that quote now. That quote comes up quite a lot, but it's only usually the first bit of it, which is no matter how great the talents or efforts, some things just take time. So that quote comes up a lot, but the second half of that quote often gets missed out. I thought I, it was great. Yeah, I'm not surprised. A, uh, I'm not you can't surprised. produce a maybe in one month by getting nine women pregnant. <laughs> now, um, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week. Uh, contact details coming up in a second. Give it to you in a moment. Here's our first question. I'm about to take out a mortgage. How long should I fix my interest rate for? Well, at the minute, I mean, they do think the interest rates will possibly rise. I mean, inflation is... Um, higher than, than what they would want. So usually when inflation goes up, interest rates would, would tend to rise in that situation. I, I know one of the guys, uh, one mortgage advisor I know, he keeps saying, oh, it's like there's going to be a correction and rates will just go back to what they probably should have been before. But um, at, at the minute, with mortgage rates, the, the two-year fixed rates, the five-year fixed rates, there's not a heck of a lot of difference between them. Neil, what a mortgage advisor I know in the, the office, he, he did a five-year fixed rate for someone last month, and it was under 1% was the, the rate. I mean, that's a, to, to get a fixed rate at that rate for five years was just 
phenomenal. I guess it depends on your circumstances. And if you're using a mortgage broker, I, I would discuss it with them and say, right, what options are available? What's going to be best for my circumstances? But it is, it's worth considering all the, the different options that's out there. I mean, the, the rough thing that, that crosses my mind as a you know dumb punter is if interest rates are about to go up and I can lock it in at a low rate, then I'd want to do that for yeah. as long as I possibly can, right? Yeah, I mean, that that's it. The disadvantage of being tied in a longer-term fixed rate is if you want to come out of it, there could be penalties to pay. So, for example, if you were moving home and thought you might move again in a few years, that might restrict your lender in the future. So there, there is things to take into account, but it's money's still cheap at the minute. And it, like as rates do go up a bit, that, that's when it's maybe important to just keep reviewing these things. Okay. Next one is from Amanda in Kirkintillic. Amanda says, I have several buy-to-let properties at present. Good for you. Uh, my friend has told me that I should set up a limited company and transfer these to that for tax reasons. Is this a good idea? There can be tax advantages going down that route. One thing I would say is you probably have less choice of lender if you're needing a mortgage to, to fund them. Also, if you already have buy-to-lets in your own name, there would be costs for putting it from your own name into a limited company. You'd also need to set up a limited company, an accountant to, to do that. Um, one thing that I always say to people as well that should be aware of in, in that situation is that Tax positions can change. I mean, we, we've recently had a, a budget, so nothing changed there. But it's not to say in the future they might turn around and say, right, the tax position on limited companies like this might change. So you, you could give a bit of planning advice to somebody and say, yeah, good idea to do this now, but things can change in the future. But it's probably worth speaking to an accountant just to, to see what their thoughts are on, on the matter as well. But there, there are, are definite tax advantages of having buy to let properties within a, a limited company rather than than just in your sole name. All right, would you say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics. Uh, we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook, Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question that you can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.